Welcome, witches and ghouls. We are pleased to say that we are part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network and family. Morbidly Beautiful is your macabre home away from home with horror news, reviews, editorials, and more. Morbidly Beautiful supports everyone in the horror community from special effects artists, indie filmmakers, writers, women, LGBTQ folks, and so much more. And we are so happy to be part of the spooky team. Please go to morbidlybeautiful.com to find out more. And now, on with the show. I Spit on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is a time once a month where I put down my bloody nitty needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In this episode, we are discussing something that terrifies the both of us, Uh. aliens and alien abduction, as well as the emotional and physical effects of abduction on people and how the development of PTSD affects those around them. The movies up for discussion are the classic Fire in the Sky and Dark Skies. So pick your poison and listen on if you dare. So, Jess, why did we choose these films? Well, I think one of the reasons why we chose this films is that I think they are the best representations of what PTSD um, have experiences for people who have gone through alien abduction, as well as there's not a lot of horror films that uh, discuss or look at alien abduction in particular. There's a lot of documentaries, which are terrifying (laughs) within themselves. But (laughs) I think these two films are unique because in the terms of how they depict um, alien encounters and alien abductions and the impact on families. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so there's actually a bit of a funny story behind this month of alien abductions and (laughs) these movies. So early in the pandemic, Jess was wanting to watch some scary movies. And I know her and I, we share the the fear of aliens and alien abductions. We're curious about it. We're interested in the subject matter. So I recommended to her three movies. Of course, Fire in the Sky, Dark Skies, and then The Fourth Kind. So So I told her, I'm like, okay, these are the most terrifying alien movies that are based on like classic aliens that I've ever seen. So you should watch them and be scared. (laughs) And then that led to her watching them, me rewatching them, and then laying on my couch one night, early pandemic thinking, okay, December, spinsters get abducted. That's what we're doing for the month. And here we are. And here we are. (laughs) We are talking about abductions. Exactly. And I agree and echo those sentiments that like I've watched a lot of alien like invasion, alien abduction movies, but there's not actually a lot of abduction specific alien horror movies. And so, yeah, I agree. These are the two best representations of alien abduction and the effects not only on the experiencers, quote unquote, which we'll get into later, but the after effects of abduction themselves. Also, they're just they're just really awesome films, and I can't wait to talk about them. Let's do it, but let's start with talking about the fear of aliens and abduction, and why do we have these fears? (laughs) (laughs) 
So why are we afraid of aliens? And really, should we? Is this a rational fear that we have? Is it irrational? Do we have phobias? We're definitely going to talk about that. So in all of the media since the 1950s, and we all know what happened in the 1950s in Roswell, (laughs) New Mexico. (laughs) It's like movies and shows and the media, particularly, you know, movies and films have shown aliens to be essentially like only hostile beings. But they haven't actually in reality, I'll say, quote, reality, because you may or may not believe that aliens have visited us or in in alien abductions overall. But if anything, some theories have actually shown them to be quite the opposite and that they have actually helped us (laughs) and they haven't harmed us per se. Per se, yes. And I know they've <laughs> talked about different theories and around like, you know, aliens that have come to the planet so they are actually here to help us or we could take advantage of like their technology and help us. But oftentimes the fear of alien comes around the whole like idea of a doomsday, you know, scenarios that when aliens come out of space, they're going to come yep. and destroy the earth. Yep. And then it also, we also have that increased fear of space itself. And so when Kelly and I talked about the alien franchise and talked about our fear of space, there's that also that instinct that, cause it's, it's an unknown out there. And there's just like so many things linked to the being afraid of aliens and the fear of abduction, you know, being afraid of the dark, Mm-hmm. Um, being away from home for a long period of time, mm-hmm. the fear of disaster happening, because there is no uh, way to predict the danger or control it as well. Absolutely. And there are, according to research, four conditions that need to be satisfied for us to start fearing truly our alien neighbors, if they do in fact exist. So the aliens must, one, have developed technologies that allow for them to travel or send targeted probes across interstellar distances. Two, have spotted us as a desirable destination. Like, why do they care about human beings Mm, to travel this far to come here? What is it about us, our planet? What do we have that's so special to them? Why would they care? Three, have intent to explore space around them. Because, like, I mean, we have incredible amount of space wanderlust, right? We're out there. We want to discover and go to new planets and see what's going on out in the universe. We're, as human beings, we're so intensely. Yes, we're so intensely curious which is good and bad. (laughs) And then four, they have evil intents. And of course, out of all of that, there's so many theories surrounding aliens and visitation and invasion and everything. But our media has showed us almost exclusively that they have evil intents. Unless you're E.T. and Jess... E.T. did not have evil intents. <laughs> no, I guess he just he just landed on the planet far away from home. And in reality, it was the humans that had the evil intent because clearly they want to, you know, capture and experiment on. Right. And so that leads yep. back also to that idea of the fear of aliens and the fear of abduction is that it's all part of some giant government conspiracy. Because, like, the interesting thing is, too, is as Kelly and I this month were, you know, diving into our fears, because I, I always find that you don't just watch, like, one or two alien abduction movies. You end up watching documentaries. You end up watching UFO <laughs> investigation stuff and, like, yeah. totally rolling down that rabbit hole. But it always leads back down to it's all part of a big government conspiracy and the government is hiding something from us. And mm-hmm. that amplifies our fear of something else there being out there unknown and could be a danger to us because even our own government is not telling us the truth about the existence of aliens. Exactly. And if they're not telling us the truth, what is so bad that they're hiding from us? Is it really bad? Is it really good? And again, they're still hiding it from us. They're, it's just aliens are so, so shrouded in mystery 
and secrecy that that's what keeps me coming back because I'm so curious. <laughs> Whenever we talk about um, abduction in itself and when people have an experience of abduction or we hear people talk about their abduction experience, they talk about how it mostly happens at night. Often when an individual is falling asleep, that's terrifying to mm-hmm. many of us to be, you know, know that we're going to bed at night and we're thinking we're safe, but really you could be in this experience where all of a sudden you're taken out of your bed, you show up in like a surgical room and you're either having some court some sort of physical sexual testing done to you and you know and then you're given a tour of a a (laughs) spaceship like all these things happen then all of a sudden you're receiving telepathic messages like it just goes down to this core fear of like what happened when i fall asleep at night you know (laughs) (laughs) who's watching us at 3 a.m oh my god (laughs) well that was one of my fears as well with like you know when i was a kid i for some reason couldn't watch horror movies and couldn't watch things about ghosts and stuff like that but i was allowed to watch like space channel things about alien Mm. and ufos and i lived out in the boons like you know in the woods and bright sky like dark sky you could see the stars is just woods around you and for some reason all alien abductions seem to happen in isolated areas surrounding my woods and I would watch these documentaries and get terrified that you know and then I wouldn't I would go to sleep at night my parents had like giant glass all along the front of our house but we didn't have any blinds and so in my bedroom there were no blinds and so I would like go to bed at night looking at the sky being like oh if I wake up and there's an alien face like staring in, I'm done. Oh, like I'm done. <laughs> God, that is terrifying. The fact. Okay, so it's weird that they had no blinds, no curtains, no nothing. Like I understand wanting to look at nature, but that that is some yeah. terrifying shit. Yeah. That's 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 inappropriate. I think for children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess mentioned this idea of fear of the outer space, and so for me, I feel like space horror and aquatic horror, like they kind of go hand in hand we definitely talked about this and we talked about uh, space horror but you know the vastness of space so there is such a thing called astrophobia or fear of outer space which can be connected to the fear of aliens so like let's see if you're afraid of deep dark water like me I'm not necessarily afraid of what is in the water it's the vastness the yeah deep, dark vastness of space of the ocean of lakes you know, if I can't see the bottom, wow. You know, yeah, it's, it's really terrifying. Too. Deep, dark water. Nope. <laughs> exactly. We share a lot of similar, similar fears when it comes to some of these things. And for some people, the fear of space is connected to the fear of aliens. So, you know that? Have you seen the movie Gravity, Jess? No, I have not. Oh, God. But I know about it. I know about it, but I won't watch it because, like, the idea of being, like, your machine, like, breaks down in space and you're just stuck there floating. Yep. Nope, nope. Like, I can't. Like, just thinking about it is I don't feel well. Like, it just makes me feel sick. Just, like, the the vastness of space just being lost out there, and then you're just there alone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the symptoms of astrophobia are actually quite similar to those of other phobias, and they can include anxiety, feelings of terror, panic, rapid heartbeat, shortness of breath, trembling. And then so there's two two sides of this coin. So you either will avoid film, 
and shows and learning more about it because you're afraid of it, or you become mm. obsessed with it. So all you do is watch alien abduction documentaries and watch all of these movies <laughs> and go down those rabbit holes and read those books and is those websites. Us? Is that us? <laughs> do we have yes. astrophobia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I for sure do. Like, I'm curious. And like, I would probably go into space. Like, I have been on an ocean. Mm-hmm. I have been in the middle mm-hmm. of the lake. Mm-hmm. But like... Never. I'm terrified when I do it. No. <laughs> if the Earth was it was imploding on itself and they're just like, hey, you have an opportunity to be saved and go on a spacecraft and live, I'd be like, you just leave me here, please. <laughs> 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 nothing good happens in space. <laughs> and nothing good happens on the boat in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. <laughs> Hence Titanic. <laughs> Exactly. And just looking at photos of the shipwrecked Titanic oh, recently. My gosh. I, yes. Oh god. Yeah, no, I can't. And like literally, it's just a boat disintegrating in the bottom of the ocean, but I cannot even look at those photos. Like I have such a sense of dread and unease and nausea. Yeah. Ugh. So Jess, how do you feel about the existence of extraterrestrials or alien abductions? What are your personal thoughts and feelings on this matter? Oh, this is like a very controversial. I've been okay. I've been finding this month has been a very controversial topic among my friends and my partners <laughs> because I have a spectrum of people who feel like they believe in alien and alien abductions and that happens. I have people who don't believe but want to believe. And then I have talked to people who are like, no, like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Where's your tinfoil mm-hmm. hat? Like type thing. Why are you talking about <laughs> alien abductions? Yes, there are other species, but you know, we're good. And but for me, I do believe in the existence of aliens. I do believe that people have experienced some form of abduction. I'm a molder and I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome I to love, Alien Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, we always go back to the X-Files, which is such a great show. And those two characters, because we re- relate to them so much and we come back to them so often. We visit those characters because I am often a Scully. But when it comes to aliens, I'm kind of an in-between. I do believe, but I'm not like a unwavering, I have absolute truth and yeah. knowledge about yeah. this because I sound Sadly, do not. But I do believe that there are extraterrestrials in the world somewhere. It is a massive universe and there just has to be somebody else out there. And there are tons of theories, a lot of like scientific theories and ideas and opinions by people that are way smarter than me. Um, that are really, really interesting that I love to read about. But I definitely believe in aliens and do alien abductions occur? There's so many people out there that say that they have and have had experiences that I find, I guess in the end, I say the evidence is very compelling. Well, yeah, like in some of our research, it was like 37 million Americans have had some sort of abduction experience. This increased in the 1980s and uh, 90s about people reporting it more. And 36% of the U.S. population believes in the UFOs as alien spacecraft. So it's actually not as uncommon Mm -hmm. for people to think these things. It's just not as talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's where I fall. (laughs) What I think is like super fascinating and I think because it's like and it kind of like blows my mind a little bit because we're just like yeah I don't really believe in ghosts but I believe in aliens and that alien abductions exist (laughs) which is like that's that's an enigma that's an enigma right now Kelly (laughs) (laughs) I know I know more on that later so let's get into our first film fire in the sky 
How does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. The story that Travis Walton and five other witnesses told was so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. So for me, I grew up with this movie. So that's either a positive or a negative. I don't know because it terrified me on day one. So this movie coming out of the 90s, it like it has a legacy. It's infamous. The alien abduction scene is incredibly well known and still talked about to this day. And yeah, this movie is, well, terrifying to me. If you're not afraid of aliens, it doesn't really, you know, affect other people. It doesn't ring as strongly with them. But I watched this in the 90s as a kid and wowzers. So my story with this film is that Kelly recommended it for me to watch at the beginning of the pandemic (laughs) because I wanted to feel fear and I wanted to feel. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, aliens really terrify me. So I want to feel that fear of aliens. And so, you know, that was how we're dealing with the beginnings of the pandemic. And then I watched Fire in the Sky because she's like, you've never seen this. I'm like, no. And that's when I saw Fire in the Sky for the first time. (laughs) So when Jess wants wants to feel afraid, she's like, Kelly, what should I watch? I was like, oh, okay. Here's a list of possession films, alien films, ghosties, supernatural films. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you like about Fire in the Sky? So what I like about Fire in the Sky is that it, to me, it has that it's not completely out of the crazy left field kind of feeling to it like it just feels like you're watching kind of almost like those cheesy remakes of like the scenes of like the abduction or what the people experience the abduction only in movie quality like it's better oh like a reenactment but it's a feature film it's a reenactment (laughs) but it's a feature film so it's it's good in that way and I think it was really interesting that you got to see more about the experience of what happens to people after someone's been abducted so often you are always talking in documentaries or always talking to abductees and what they go through but never really about the families and what the families kind of go through when that happens or if they've witnessed something themselves Mm -hmm. so I really enjoy that and I love that there's a bunch of like you know obviously um, horror actors in there we've got Boone from uh, Nightbreed the actor and you've got uh, Zarabeth from Witchboard plays the wife so you you know you've got some really good actors in it as well so I feel like um, this is both a like and a dislike but the abduction scene (laughs) (laughs) it is both (sighs) very like it's so creepy and off-putting and it fits the tone like but it it takes the movie's tone in a very different direction all of a sudden is very jarring but it's so effective at the same time too because that's what you know an abduction would feel like i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) how about you so i don't 
even okay so even though the fi- fire in the sky is scary to me this movie isn't a horror movie per se mm-hmm. like it's not okay. filmed to be a horror movie there's there's not that like suspense to it it's just it's just not that movie you know it's not created to be a horror movie but for me it's very unnerving so like I said, the alien adoption sequence is absolutely infamous and I think incredibly well done. Very creative, too. Like, I haven't seen that type of thing ever. We haven't, not up until then or even since then. Again, not a lot of alien abduction movies actually exist. Maybe there's some of those, like, really kind of D movie that you probably could find on Tubi. I haven't seen them. I'd be definitely up for watching them. But you just don't see a lot of that in, like, a, quote, real movie. I agree with your sentiments. It shows the breakdown of our person, our family, our communities. And that's what really stood to me when I rewatched the beginning of the pandemic is like, oh yeah, we have to talk about this because not only does it obviously affect a person that's been abducted, but what they have experienced, the trauma they have experienced affects everyone, just like with any kind of traumatic event with any person of any kind. So I just found that very moving. And I I like that a lot. I like that it's really a story of male friendship, of this teeny tiny town turned upside down. Yeah, the cast is awesome. I think the acting's really great. I think it has great pacing from like beginning to end. We're getting into it. Then like jam back like smack in the middle of it, we get this long abduction scene and you're just kind of thrown in this terrifying world and now we know what happened to Travis Walton you know and I love that they did it that way um so it's moving it's scary it's entertaining oh it's great movie it's I I love this movie is there anything you dislike about it I don't like that they show as much of the aliens that they do okay yeah so they show I I feel like it would be it would have done them a little bit more justice if they showed less of the aliens I find the aliens themselves not super scary they aren't super classic the Grays style and the Grays folks, if you don't know, are the like bulbous head, huge, big eyes, little nose, little mouth, like spindly bodies. Like those are your classic Grays. Well, they show like the suits that the look suits. like the Grays. Yes. Yeah. Very true. But like our true aliens, I just think they show them too much. And mm. you show too much of the alien. I was like, how are you, their spindly little, spindly little alien bodies, able to keep down probably this like 160 pound man? Yeah. You know, it just kind of, it was that part of it kind of, it's hard for me to suspend my disbelief uh, around that. I wish they just showed them a little bit less. Like maybe just like when they kind of scale back from when Travis is on the table, just seeing some of like the outlines and the backs of the aliens, but there's so much of their faces. They kind of just look like really cute little, little men. old men. Yes. Cute little old men? No, they cute. look like creepy wrinkly old men. Sorry. <laughs> Funny. Um, so they show, I just think a little bit too much. Like, if I'm going to be nitpicky, if I have to say something, they just show them a little bit too much. Oh, fair enough. How about you? The only thing I dislike about this film is the ending. Because mm. to mm. me, I feel like it just wraps up too nicely at the end. Like yeah. two years later, Travis is doing fine. He's reconnecting <laughs> with his, with you know, with Mike and, and just like yeah. all's well. And I'm just like, yeah, too nice of an ending. Yeah, I know cinematically like this is based off a book that Travis Walton wrote based on his experiences. Sadly, I haven't read it, but I do want to for sure. I guess probably just for the cinematic effect of it. They kind of just have to unless you're going to have a three hour movie, you know, so I, I can I can agree with that. It's kind of just like two years later. Oh, I'm Travis. Look at me. I have a family and kids. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> it's because especially with like the way that the scene before all that is like he's it looks like he's having like a little breakdown like of mind body yeah. and everything and I'm just yeah. like you, you can't come back from that two and a half years later but yeah 
that leads me into what we'll probably we'll talk about in terms of what alien abductions and what people who have been abducted sometimes say about it. Absolutely. Okay, so we will get into alien abduction and a little bit about the research that has been done with abductees. So just talked about the U.S. stats, and I love finding Canadian stats because we are Canadian and some of our listeners are as well. So approximately, there are, sorry, approximately a thousand UFO sightings in Canada per year. I sadly have not seen one. And a study in 2016 showed that four out of five Canadians believe in aliens. So a lot of us do. The majority of our population of Canadians do believe in aliens. Again, we don't talk about it as much. It's kind of shrouded in secrecy. And I'm sure we'll get into this later. But if you say you believe in aliens, you looked like you just sprouted a third head. I guess a second head because we only have one. Funny enough, (laughs) I've been watching this uh, UFO investigation uh, series on Amazon Prime right now. And it's a Canadian source one, based one. And it talks about, so far they've talked about there's been a lot of sightings and UFO aliens alien-centered cults in Quebec. And then I'm in Ottawa, and apparently in the 1980s in Carp, which is about, you know, an hour outside of Ottawa, apparently had a UFO land down there, and there was a bunch of UFO investigators there doing a bunch of stuff, saying that aliens had been taken to a U of Ottawa to be... I had an autopsy and everything. Ooh, (laughs) exciting. I gotta watch this. Send me a link. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so... Alien abduction, kind of the core features of an alien abduction experience includes being captured and taken to our alien spacecraft, where the abductee is subjected to an examination that may be physical, sexual, or even spiritual in nature. This person, our abductee, may also, like Jess said earlier, be given a tour of the spacecraft or taken on a journey to another realm. They may also be given telepathic messages, or that's how they communicate back and forth aliens by telepathy. And then they're returned from Earth. So often people... If they are abducted, they're abducted from their homes, when they're in the forest or in their car. Yeah, don't ever go into the forest. Yeah. Like we if you've watched enough horror movies, don't just don't go into the forest. You want to love nature, don't. Often, yeah, happens on driving. <laughs> and we all know, like, the people who know about the alien abductions, uh, like, the first to ever be reported was the one by uh, yes. Barney and Betty Hill in the 1960s. And yep. they were driving home on an isolated road. Yep. Which, yes, like you said, often happens when you're isolated. <laughs> isolated is the key thing. Vulnerable alone in the car, vulnerable alone in the forest, vulnerable in your car. Maybe not alone, but, uh, yes. Yeah. So the Barney and Betty Hill, um, these are two folks that claim to be abducted by aliens. Aliens of September 1961. This is our first widely publicized report of alien abduction in the U.S. There is obviously a huge history of alien abduction and theories and things that have happened beyond the scope of what we'll talk about today. But we'll highlight some of the key, key like main points. Do you have anything that's happened between the 60s to the 80s? We saw in the 1970s, we get the film Close Encounter of the Third Kind, but that was more like talking about like contact between aliens and like the beneficial effect of having increased aliens that, but it wasn't really until the 1980s and 90s when we got increased reports of people reporting, uh, seeing UFOs or having been abducted by aliens. Um, And this was because of what was happening was a lot of researchers were using hypnosis to recover memories of abductees. Mm -hmm. In 1987, Communion, the book and movie by Whitley Stryber, became super popular and actually around that time became a central text in the abduction movement because it is a movement, folks. 
Because Whitley Stryber apparently has been abducted by aliens and he described his own experience like Travis Walton in the Fire in the Sky book. Uh, I have that movie. And yes, I have Communion and it stars Christopher Walken and he is pure Walken in it. Oh, nice. Is it spooky? No, which is why I never recommended it to you as like a scary movie because I don't think Christopher Walken besides in Prophecy, Sleep, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, is is scary. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's just, it's like kind of comical. Uh, Maybe the aliens are kind of creepy, but I find Mm. them kind of adorable. Anyways, I recommend it for at least as an experience to watch, but that was huge in the movement. So, you know, a couple of things to remember about folks that claim to have been abducted by aliens. We'll say claim, because again, we can say yes or no, you know, for sure, because we are not these people. But, you know, number one, we have to remember that people who report these experiences being abducted by aliens are not psychotic and most are not going along with a hoax because in fact going public with any of this information actually has a negative effect on you like people don't want this and we will see this as we talk about these two movies that you start telling people that you've been abducted by aliens they're gonna look at you like I said you've grown one two three heads like Jess said you know where's your tinfoil hat like you are crazy like that is completely impossible like how are you even talking about this oh yeah I literally had this experience two weeks ago with one of my partner's partners when they were like Wanted to make sure I was okay, like nothing wrong when I said, like, I believe in aliens. And they're like, where's your tinfoil hat? Like, I, and, but then when she explained to me the reason why she thought that was because the media portrays people very negatively who have this experience. And so, um, yeah, it's really hard for people to go public to talk about their alien abduction experience because they are, you know, being thrust into a world where it's not a shared experience. And when it is a shared experience, it, it, there is a community, there is a movement, there's, Um, organizations now for all this. Mm -hmm. And then the second other thing is, which we'll definitely get into next, is that there have even been studies, like researchers talking to abductees that talk about and the like physical and mental and emotional after effects of these reported incidences. So they can get, these people can have injuries of unknown causes. Um, so like bruising, cuts, wounds, vision problems, like sensitivity to light, pupil dilation, burns, stomach issues, nausea, diarrhea, balance problems, dehydration after these experiences. So what is it to explain that? And, you know, people have also reported being healed of illnesses, weight loss, psychological effects, which is kind of the main thing we'll talk about. But, you know, these people say, hey, I've had this experience. I've been abducted by aliens because that's what they think it is. And then there's all these after effects that people who are denying them of this experience don't have any cause. Like they have no explanation. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for, you know? Yeah, they have no way to explain to these people what has happened to all of a sudden have these positive impacts and changes in their lives, despite the negative side effects of having experienced an alien abduction. So there actually has been some research on these abductees. Specifically, we'll talk about two during this episode. One is a a gentleman named Richard McNally, who's a professor and director of clinical training in the Department of Psychology over at Harvard University. So he's a clinical psychologist and experimental psychopathologist. So he studies anxiety disorders and related syndromes. In the early 2000s, he did a big research trial and study on people that claim to have been abducted by aliens. 
he personally doesn't believe that these people have actually been abducted by aliens, but believes that the people who claim to have been abducted by aliens truly believe that they have. That sounds wordy. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the point of his research was to see and check whether the emotional impact of these memories may be false, maybe not generated by the actual physiological signs that are similar to the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder, so PTSD. And then he, because of his research, which is really interesting, developed a profile for typical abductees. So this profile is typically people who have uh, new age beliefs and they're ready to accept any type of psychic phenomenon. They're mm. prone to really enjoy fantasy and fantasy realms. Often they discuss and they talk about experiencing with sleep paralysis and they often have recovered detailed memories um, that they've been subjected to medical or sexual probing on spacecrafts. And often, and this was the big thing that kind of, that shocked me, was often these people regard the experience as positive and spiritually enriching despite the terror at the time. (laughs) What? Terror. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I guess in their minds, they now have proof that there are other intelligent beings and what a unique experience they've had. I don't. I don't know. Not a spiritual person, so I can't really attest to a spiritual awakening or connection to to aliens. Like, I can understand that if they've had this experience and for some way it makes, it heals them in some way of some physical ailment Mm. they've been having for a while or connects them to something they feel greater, like a larger consciousness or a bigger idea in the sky. It gives them a sense of purpose in life, a sense of feeling that they're doing something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But... To me, but then, so, at at the same time, too, though, it's portrayed in such an intrusive and violating Mm -hmm. way that it it confuses me. It's like, well, you you talk about such terror, and you tell us about how you experience this terror, and you are now suffering from the actual physical side effects of traumatic trauma on yourself and your body and your psyche, and now you're saying, well, I would do it all over again. Like, if Mm -hmm. someone came to abduct me, I'd be like, yeah, take me now. No, why? (laughs) (laughs) Man, we're just stagnating here. We need new experiences. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I love that you're so just like unsettled by that. <laughs> <laughs> I've run I've run with enough new age people in my life to all of a sudden feel very unsettled by all of this. It's been an unsettling month. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So some of the the results of McNally's research, so he kind of came to the conclusion that falsely believing you've been traumatized could create the same reaction as actually being traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, you know, it's kind of relevant, but for a couple of months, you know, in a row, we talked about satanic abuse, satanic ritual abuse, because this kind of came up then where we talked about the creation of false memories. Yes. And that's why using like hypnosis and the recovery of these false memories can be very misleading, inaccurate, kind of hard to interpret. Because during the, you know, the Satanic Panic of the 80s, which we talked about before, um, the recovered, quote unquote, so-called recovered memories of some of these people saying that they had been, you know, abused as children and there were satanic cults and all of these other disturbing, but obviously very difficult to prove allegations, you know, just ruined a lot of lives. And for these people, like, it's just really hard to prove that you've been abducted by aliens. So... (laughs) 
But what's interesting about the research is that the people had the same effects as if they were abducted, which I think is really interesting. Like just them talking about their abduction, hearing about other people's experiences, had their hearts raising, they were sweating. They measured like heart rate and sweating and blood pressure and all of that. But like it was truly genuine to them that they had been abducted. So in conclusion, kind of his research kind of leans towards essentially the power of our emotional belief of our experiences. Yeah, and what, a lot of that, what you were describing there, right, too, is um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an actual uh, physical and mental condition of people who have experienced uh, severely traumatic events at some point in their yeah. life. And then to suppress that feeling of the trauma, so like that, or just kind of like survive your day-to-day life, you end up, susp- you suppress everything so much that it comes out in these physical ways, accelerated heartbeats, breathing, hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. And, but mm-hmm. what really separated the people who really experience PTSD, like sufferers and the abductees, is that once again, that exp- that idea of saying, well, I would never want to experience this again. Like often people who, ex- who are experienced PTSD, yeah. whether it's from sexual abuse, a car accident, war, stuff like that, never want to experience that trauma again. So everything that they do now, everything that they, how they live their life now which is a, it's a symptom of their PTSD to avoid experiencing that trauma where a lot of times with people, you know, these alien abductees, they want to avoid that trauma, but at the same time, too, they are still inviting it because they're open to being to experiencing again. Because it changed their lives, whether it's for the positive or negative. Exactly. Even though yeah. when they came out about their experience, they received super negative backlash. Yeah. Which is yep. so interesting because we kind of see that experience with uh, Travis in the film because like mm-hmm. he comes back and you know he's suffering from PTSD. You know, his body went through this physical trauma of no water, experiencing flashbacks. He's triggered by, you know, lights and colors and things and movement that's causing him to experience that abduction all over again. Mm-hmm. But then you see him two years later and he's got he turned his life around. All of a sudden he's can he's got a nice house, he's got a wife and two kids, he's able to move past his experience and he's like, Yeah, I got I went through this through the better. Even though he does he's like, Yeah, this place kinda creeps me out. I never want to be here again. And it was like, Well, your yeah. life improved because of your abduction. Yeah. But <laughs> everyone else around them, not no, their life's not approved. Like Mike he yeah. lost his family. He lost his house. He's he's ostracized from his community. Yeah. Right? Mike is like my favorite character. Yes. Like, let's talk about let's talk about some of the characters in the movie before we move on. But this like you have Mike. All right, he's the best friend of Travis Walton and his life. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't get into more of Travis's true like long term post-abduction experiences he does only thing he mentioned is like he's like i haven't been able to sleep well in the last two years like yes i get that that's it but mike's like entire life has changed prior to that normal blue collar worker in the small town simple pleasures of life he has kids and a wife and regular human problems like trying to make rent and deal with stress on your relationship and your kids and keep your contract your work deal with managing a bunch of guys you know like just normal stuff part of the local community everyone knows each other 
Yeah. So what upsets me so much, and I was very, very moved by Mike in this, is that he is plagued and racked by guilt because he was the one driving the car. He was and like, I know he was pressured by all the guys in the car because everyone's terrified. Like, I don't blame them for this. Yeah. But they're like, no, he's dead, man. Like, I don't know what's going on because they're seeing lights in the sky and it's aliens and like, we got to go. So he leaves. You can you know, he's ambivalent about leaving. But then Mm -hmm. and then he's like, I got to go back. And Travis is gone. Yeah. And now he just he can't move on. And you see in the movie where Travis is like essentially forgiving him. It's like, dude, you can move on. I forgive you. Like it was a crazy thing that happened. Yeah. I'm moving on. You can move on. But he cannot. His guilt is everlasting. It ruins his relationship with his family, with his kids, his job, his friendship. And he just completely unravels. So he himself has post abduction. He's not abducted, but he's has post abduction, stress, worry and guilt. Yeah. Well, on top of that. Yeah, because what ends up happening is that when Travis goes missing, and of course, like all the men, they back up Mike. Like, yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, nice comforts. All the men back up Mike in their story, and they don't waver from their story, right? Yeah. But, you know, they give excuses for each of the guys. Like, Boone's character was the outsider, was the bad yeah. guy of the edge. And then, you know, one of the Dallas. other guys was yeah. like um, a church going boy, and he's a local kid, you know? So everyone yeah. was like, but everyone just seemed to like ostracize. Mike, Mike and being like essentially accused him for murdering yep. they're like you either murdered Travis or you are accomplice to a murder because everyone associated Dallas with possibly murdering him and yep. the whole community just turned against him and yep. just said Easily. no not only are you guilty for this crazy story that Travis was abducted we actually think that you are guilty for murder and that yep. you murdered him and that everyone in this community would rather believe that Travis was dead than believe that something could have ha- anything else could have happened to him and they're sure. just quick to blame his best yeah. friend. Like, absolutely. Like, it's way easier for them rationally. And yeah. I think it's completely irrational. Both things are crazy, you know, or implausible. But it's easier for them to think that Mike, who everyone knows, again, small yeah. town, character witnesses, he's a good guy, killing his best friend. Like, that is easier for them to understand and wrap their minds around <laughs> than this story of him being abducted. Like, I I almost can, like, understand that, but don't understand that. And either way, it just, like, the... Comp- it just the this spiraling of events because everybody is scared and they don't know what's going on and they're talking about aliens and it's so great in the movie because they show in like as the guys are going to the the contract site in the forest one of the guys is reading like a national Enquirer yes yeah and the sheriff picks it up so in these very rural small town folks like aliens are a part of national Enquirer news like fake news it's yeah, it's not exactly. real it's you know so it's so devastating to me that they would rather believe that they all ganged up and killed this guy over trying to even at least trying to understand that something weird happened well exactly and and it definitely comes from this small town conservative christian community right too because Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. that big scene with mike talking they have a church meeting the whole town's at a church meeting to discuss what is going on and they're essentially wanting like mob mentality of one of you guys are guilty you point out who's guilty and we will yep. deal with this so we can get our lives back together, right? And just completely just turn on someone who's been a part of their community. And then, like, when Mike turns around, it's like, and everyone's so focused on that lie detector test. Like, you need yep. to take it to prove, you know, it, it reminds me of that scene from The Crucible where at the end, his character is like, you know, sign your name. He's like, no, I will not sign my name. All I have is my name. And, you mm. know, for that happened with Mike, right? Like, he's like, I will yep. not take this lie detector to test. I have my word. That's what you need. But they're like, no so he ends up doing it and it's like 
withheld any pertinent information regarding the disappearance of Travis Wolf? No. Did you create this incident to get out of your login contract? No. You or any of your crew murdered Travis Walton? Absolutely not. He becomes a recluse. He's like, screw you all. Done. His whole Which, life fell man, apart. I sympathize. Like, if my entire town turned against me and was like, no, you actually murdered your best friend, because that makes sense. Especially, especially once he comes back and once they find oh, him, you my know? Oh, goodness. You know, it's like, oh, he's not dead. But we don't talk about the fact that you just labeled everybody a murderer. Yes. Like everyone just literally sweeps it under the rug. A, that Travis was abducted. And B, that they literally accused all these guys for murder and his best friend. They're just like, oh, no, you're back. Let's have a family barbecue. And let's have a big potluck. You look like you're like... Close, this like is two days away from dying yep. you know let's all treat you normally like he's cowering in the corner because he's so traumatized and I'm just like this community just wants to forget this thing ever happened and that's what often happens in these communities when people come forward and talk about these experiences no one wants to talk about it they just want to sweep it under the rug like nope we don't talk about aliens it's too weird, you know, be labeled crazy. And, you know, Dallas, who was like the outcast of the group, the bad, the bad boy. But he knew he was practical. He was like, hey, guys, I knew nobody would listen to us. Like, why even tell this story? Yeah. Like, I understand why everybody would want to tell their story. But he's but like, he's nope. an outsider, right? He is yep. already labeled as a problem, an outsider, yep. right? Where all the other men are their cis white men, you know, all hardworking. They're, yep. They feel like they should be believed because they wouldn't lie. Why would they yeah, lie? Why, why would, would they tell they? such a crazy story like this? Yeah, exactly. And it comes down to people aren't doing this. Yeah, sometimes you get attention for it. And the sheriff, like the, the big city sheriff that comes in, that scene with uh, Travis in the car and the kids come over and they're adorable. And they're like, can we get your autograph? You've met aliens. You've been in space. And to them, they think it's really cool. And they're like, mm. kids, if you only knew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then the sheriff goes over and he says, you know, hey, signing autographs, huh? And he just thinks it's a hoax. And he's getting it, doing it for attention. I was like, have you seen his? medical records this is not a thing that people do to get attention because this is not good attention you Mm. know nobody wants this you know nobody's asking to be abducted by aliens and have all this negative attention brought onto them nobody actually wants to do this (laughs) so earlier we were so what we you know talking a lot about like you know post-traumatic stress disorder and stuff like that but earlier you mentioned uh post-adduction syndrome Yes. And this so, was something new for us in our research. I know for me. For me, for sure. So in 2000, an actual, an RN actually, registered nurse brought up who works with a lot of like anxiety syndromes and disorders and, and PTSD folks and everything. So she has labeled this new syndrome post-abduction syndrome. So PAS. So this is an anxiety s- disorder that's closely related to PTSD. And it's characterized by the re-experiencing of abduction-related memories, fragments or distortions of those memories, and then all of the symptoms that come with it, like anxiety, avoidance of stimuli related to the abduction memories or abduction-related events. And the affected person may experience levels of anxiety that interfere with functioning in personal work or social areas. 
And post-abduction syndrome, in a lot of cases, is the result of the sense or memory of being taken away by force and without consent. And that Mm -hmm. is a big factor on this, that you are not consenting to be taken away and have all these things done to you by extraterrestrial or interdimensional entities. And then going through physically intrusive or invasive procedures and some symptoms, and there are many. A lot. Uh, flashbacks, avoidance of triggering environments or locations, denial, labeling the event as like a blackout or they're lost, anxiety symptoms like panic attacks, hypervigilance, sleep disturbances, and more. <laughs> yeah, no, reading about this, I was just like, you know, when they're talking about like reluctance to enter a relationship, you have a um, yep. phobic avoidance of items that remind you of the abduction, elevators, doctor's offices, medical rooms, dentist dentist chairs. Yeah. Um, you even sometimes avoid medical assistance for your own, at the detriment of your own health. You avoid anything to do with UFOs or aliens. Lots of issues in relationships can cause job loss, less participation in social work, like social events, and you become very withdrawn. I feel like, and probably this is like with folks that do experience PTSD, but you are very alone. And I feel like you're even extra alone and isolated as abductee because that is not an experience that literally anyone can relate to unless you are another abductee. And so you see some of these symptoms with Travis. Again, it's sad that I'm, it's too bad that they show very, a very small amount of his post-abduction mm-hmm. situations, but the very like distressing at the party. And it's like, oh, why did you think that this massive party was a good idea? Well, the only like, time oh. we get an experience with anyone who could possibly believe Travis are the two alien, like the two UFO yes. investigators. And they're depicted as both being, you know, very uh, crass and very in his face and crazy Equally and intrusive. rude <laughs> and very intrusive. Like, yes. tell us about your experience. Da, 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 da. Like, in your mind, yeah. and you're like, and they're just like, look, these guys are just crazy. They're just going to attack you to get your information out of you, you know, and no sensitivity to the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love like the detail in the the moment where he's having like the flashbacks and like probably experiencing all the same fear and absolute less like fighting for your life fear um, when he's under the table and the syrup oh, slowly comes yeah. over. And you've never seen the movie before. Like, I don't know how you felt, but like, why are you showing us syrup? right now but it slowly comes over and drips on his face and it's like bam now we're into the abduction sequence and I was like that is incredible incredible exactly fascinating I think very great portrayal of what a trigger is right and it's just so interesting how people who experience PAS often have a hard time placing their trauma so unlike PTSD where someone who experiences PTSD they can go back and they can think of a concrete example as to when they shifted or when things in their life shifted where people who experience you know abductions it's often only through recurred memories or re- mm-hmm. like memories and it, they're very disjointed and it happens over time and when a lot of things that a lot of people in abductions talk about they talk about how their experience may have started in their childhood yeah and, and they talked about this in this study about how often you know children if they start experiencing fear about going to bed at night you know or they're drawing pictures of like kind of weird monsters you know you kind of start to wonder if they're starting to like talk to you they're like they're experiencing some form of abduction right they're very attached to their parents they become very insecure 
Yeah. And what I also thought was really interesting about the post-abduction syndrome. So in contrast to PTSD, where folks with PTSD may experience survivor guilt, the people that have post-abduction syndrome, PAS, there may be guilt of them being different. Again, nobody wants this. Nobody wants to be experienced trauma and flashbacks and this anxiety for the rest of their lives. Nobody wants this. So the guilt of being different or contributing to factors that cause abductions to occur either to them again, because sometimes they have more people have more than one experience or to family members because they're all like interconnected. You know, the fact that again, the breakdown of their relationships and now they just have all of that weighing upon them, um, breaking down of their families. They have a hard time working. Like it just weighs on them. Yeah. And these folks need treatment. They need treatment. Whether people don't believe them or not, they need help. They need a solid support system. I think Travis had that, which is really fantastic to see. I mean, I jumped threw him into trying to have a normal life, but there's like, yep, okay, like you're back and that's really happy. Let's just focus on the fact that you're alive and you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, but sleeping, I like bolded that in my notes. Yeah. So I was like, you will never be able to sleep good again. But like, that's so important to feeling better is yeah. getting good sleep for an extended period of time. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our second film, Dark Skies. Hey, we got people coming over in five. Get your butt home. An epic game of modern warfare. Yeah, that's what save buttons are for, pal. sign of forced entry. Sure all the doors and windows were locked? I'm sure. We check them every night. Karen says you guys had to call the police. Is everything all right at home? Yeah. Three different migrations coming from three different directions flew into your house. It's as if something was drawing them to your home. Something's going on. What are we talking about? I don't know. I can't explain it. Sammy, come here. Let me take a look at you. The marks on your son's body appear to have been applied with a brand. There are people who have reported experiencing the same things that we have been experiencing. I found a guy who claims to be an expert on this stuff. Have you experienced any unexplained illnesses or blackouts? Daniel? Why aren't you answering me? Daniel! Feeling that you might not be in control of your own body? There's something wrong with you people! You cannot escape them. Sooner or later, when they're ready, they will take your family. Do not open the store under any circumstance.
So I saw Dark Skies around the time that actually came out um, because for me, I love alien movies and I'll watch all of them. So this was like the trailer makes it look really spooky. And I was like, oh, I'm into this. Let's check this out. And so I saw it around the time it was released because I try to watch any alien or alien abduction movie. And I was so pleasantly surprised by how much it affected me and how much I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, same story. This was one of the recommendations Kelly gave me at the beginning of the pandemic when I wanted to be scared. (laughs) Watched it the first time, was scared the first time, watched it again for the podcast, scared again. (laughs) Even when I know the scenes coming up, it still scared me. Oh, God, Dark Skies. Uh, So to me, this... This is a horror movie. So this is yes. filmed to be a horror movie. There's jump scares. There's the building of suspense and dread. And it's scary as fuck, folks. Like, I was paralyzed with fear the first time I watched it. Second, I have, I don't revisit this movie very often, <laughs> even though I own it, because it just, it makes me feel so uncomfortable and like a really interesting, fearful way. Like I wasn't as scared. Jess and I watched this together for the podcast, but like I wasn't as scared, but it just makes me feel like just, I feel sick and I just, I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. It just, it really upsets me. It's a very unsettling movie and aliens and how they portray the kind of invasion of the family and the abduction in this movie is terrifying. And the first big jump scare, when you see one of the aliens for the first time, I will always jump oh yes just screamed <laughs> i screamed yes i literally shrieked because i knew it was happening but it when it was gonna happen but it still it just gets you so quickly and yeah yeah Absolutely. that is one of the reasons why i really like that film is because it's that horror it adds that element of horror to it but as i'm watching it you go back and forth between like is this actual aliens or is this a haunting is mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. you know are we like is this a poltergeist and right and you mm-hmm. go back and forth and then that you yeah. know and that's also kind of like an experience that some people experience like are they actually experiencing you know extraterrestrial encounters or are they experiencing a haunting of some sort if they're mm-hmm. being you know and this is where i come up a lot where just like you know aliens are actually demons and demons are actually actually aliens because there's no difference into how they terrorize us at night (laughs) right right and if you watch the fourth kind you can kind of be possessed by aliens yes holy fuck let's just not talk about the fourth kind no oh my god no oh my god uh so i love the again i love the pacing of this film i love the grays i love the aliens i think they show the perfect amount not too much not too little you actually do get to see them a little bit again an absolute breakdown of this family it involves children which adds to the terrorizing element to me, terrifying little children, but affects the entire family. So in Fire in the Sky, it affects a whole bunch of grown people that were that it shows us, like grown men. But this affects like a whole like suburban family. They have kids, it affects the wife and the husband. I like that how in both films, they, they do show the families or friends going to experts in the field yeah. of abduction and aliens to gather insight because who else are they going to turn to? Because they're going to look a little nutty. So they yeah. have to go to these proclaimed experts to get information. Also, Carrie Russell. I'm a huge fan of Carrie Russell. So whenever <laughs> Carrie, if Carrie Russell is going to be in a horror movie, I will watch it because I loved Felicity as a teenager. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is great. What, el- <laughs> <laughs> what else she did you like about well. it? What yes. else do you like about it? Um, well, I will echo a lot of things that you say there, but I will also say that I love the 
mythos that often comes around alien abduction movies and how they try mm. to explain why they're doing what they're doing. So when mm -hmm. he goes and explains like the greys and you know the how they infiltrate into a, a community, a family at, at a young age, and they and I'm just like, oh god, oh yeah, oh no, oh no, I know. <laughs> like, they like right? got into it. I, that's a great point. But like the mythology in this movie, there's you don't have any of that in Fire in the Sky. But they like just built like this whole universe. It and it taps into those theories those those theories yep. that are often talked about among um alien and alien abduction communities about yep. their experiences and about why the aliens are coming and doing this and what i like about how they deal with the whole isolation situation so in fire in the sky yep. you get you know this happens in a wooded area the typical type of abduction yep. but in this case it is the family is even though they're in a suburban community and they've got friends they are essentially isolated from because mm -hmm. and they feel isolated from their peers because as weird things happening they're more like more likely other worse things are about to be to happen to them than actually like people believe that they have aliens visiting them right Absolutely. and that just kind of brought up that whole idea of how like suburban lives are actually very isolated lives um, for sure so yeah i really like that the aliens terrify me oh. um oh yeah I, I really like this film. It scares me. Yeah. Ooh, for dislikes, for me, <sighs> the ending. So uh. it's just very cliche to have the voice. And of course, everybody who listens to this knows that we spoil everything. Um, <laughs> so they're just like the cliche voice over the radio. Yeah. I like that the family is now like kind of obsessed with aliens and abduction and trying to find their son. And then the whole idea of all these other missing children, like that's mm -hmm. to try to like figure out and investigate i like yeah. that but i could have done without the cliche voice of the radio it's like oh our son is out there and he's somehow managed to figure out the wavelengths of this radio to contact a little boy sam yeah. i'd rather it end like the fourth kind where the kid is gone and that's it never to be heard from again yeah exactly <laughs> which is like the real like real like yes I guess, reality in quotation yeah. marks of like an abduction experience is like the kid is gone and that's what that's why i yeah, like i love the ending to that movie but hate it at the same time too because i'm like i love that it ends up being not the kid they think it is who gets abducted yes. and the Abduction yeah. happens and they weren't able to stop that so now they're Ugh. looking for this missing child but then you got that cliche that he's like oh connecting in we have a sequel dark skies 2 and i'm like no yeah, yeah. no <laughs> we don't need a no. sequel to this we don't need any more of this <laughs> <laughs> we do not need any more of this i agree i don't nope i'm good i'm good so for this episode we have a guest appearance and his name is mysterion so Mysterion is one half of the world-famous sentimentalist mind-reading team. They have appeared on shows like Penn & Teller Fool Us, AGT, and he has appeared on paranormal programs like Ghostly Encounters, Phantom Signals, and more. His collection of oddities is one of the most known private museums. He is the owner of an Atacama mummy similar to Cyrus, one recently made into a documentary on the existence of extraterrestrial life. Here's what he has to say about aliens. Hey everyone, it's Mysterion here, and I'm really happy to be included in this podcast on alien life. And Kelly's asked me to come on board and talk about my personal experiences and my personal opinion on whether or not alien life actually exists. Well, alien life does exist in some form. Uh, there is uh, proof of one-celled, you know, life on Mars, for example. There, there's been evidence of this type of thing. And so the concept of 
planetary environments that are allowing of, of life beyond Earth is obviously there. Whether or not there's intelligent life, there has been no documented proof, um, at least any that's been released to the public. There's all sorts of conspiracy theories and there's all sorts of, of course, sightings and debunking of, of such things. Um, but I can only come to you from a place of personal experience and of uh, science. So, you know, I own an Atacama mummy. The Atacama mummy uh, is a roughly nine inch tall humanoid. It has four fingers on each hand, developed adult bones, even though this thing is so small. If you shine a little flashlight into its mouth, it's slightly open. You can see evidence of teeth. The head is extremely large for its size. It seems to have some type of scoliosis or curvature of the spine. And uh, unfortunately, it's missing both of its uh, legs from the knees down. So I, I have no um, idea of what the feet would look like, but I would imagine they also have four digits like the hands. I was uh, given this from a gentleman in New York who is one of the world's uh, foremost dealers in oddities and it came from a an archaeological dig that was done uh, in the Atacama Desert in Peru and elements of this dig were put into storage and they stayed there for a number of decades. The storage uh, locker went up on auction. It was purchased by a private buyer and then of course uh, went down the uh, series of different people ending up in my hands. You know, I've had a lot of people look at this thing. I've brought it to my doctor. I've brought it to a dentist client of mine who uh, took a look at it and they both said that it doesn't appear to be human. If it was human, it is an extremely, you know, almost deformed hydrocephalic with scoliosis, uh, you know, water on the brain type thing with, with scoliosis. And this would have been a very deformed baby. It wouldn't have lived. It was given some type of a, a burial of providence. So, you know, all those sort of things at least add up to being a very intriguing specimen. I, I can't say it's an alien, but it, it is not a human. I know a couple of very reputable people who have made claims of uh Sightings of UFOs. Myself, I've seen strange lights in Nevada uh, over the desert uh, multiple times. But I do have a quick story about a friend of mine who lived in the Midland Penetang area in uh, just north of Toronto. She went to bed early and woke up at about nine to see a diamond-shaped craft uh, hovering over the lake uh, right out front of her bay window and then went back to sleep and then woke up again and exactly an hour later, same craft. And this continued until the craft was gone. And she says that she had a sense of uh, peace and that it was okay. It didn't frighten her in any way. Uh, she said that she remembers seeing the craft and thinking this is okay. There's nothing to be afraid of. Just go back to bed and lie down other people who I know who have actually claimed they have seen aliens. 
they have claimed that they've woken up and seen greys, as we may know, are the large-headed, big-eyed alien that comes from, to, to abduct you sort of thing. This isn't the type of person who works in showbiz or has anything to gain from a story like that. With these first-hand accounts being told to me and the Ada comma that I own, I do lean towards the existence of intelligent life forms who have come to Earth. Now, what I really am excited about is that NASA has acknowledged the existence of unknown flying aircraft. Uh, it was released a few months back. And that being said, could be the first step to weaning the public into information about the existence of known intelligent alien life forms. All right, this is Mysterion, and I will see you in my favorite place, the future. Thank you very much, Mysterion, for your opinion on the matter at hand today. So moving on, on to our discussion about... PTSD, abductees, um, there is another researcher that is out there. His name is John Mack, who is a researcher in the Department of Psychology, also at Harvard. And he actually is a longtime champion of alien abductees and a bit of a paranormal philosopher. So he believes people have experienced them. And he is actually the person that coined the term experiencers. Instead of calling them abductees, they're experiencers. They've gone through and a very special special experience. But he also uses a lot of hypnosis and recovering of these memories. So he's kind of controversial in the community, medical community, scientific community, because as we said before, the recovery of false memories, it's hard to believe and it's hard to prove them. So we don't really know if it's actually evidence of true alien abductions. He wrote in 1994, a book called Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens, which grew international attention. But in 2008, a Columbia Universe psychoanalyst published what is called Alien Abduction, a Medical Hypothesis, which actually is suggested that what is known as accidental awareness under general anesthesia, so that's where you're essentially awake when you're under general anesthesia, but you can't move, like your mind is awake, but your body is not. So yeah, so when a patient awakens on the table during surgery, which might be, it's a theory, it's a hypothesis of the explanations behind alien abductions. Well, particularly behind that whole syndrome that we were talking about earlier, uh, post-abduction syndrome, where mm -hmm. they avoid medical experiences, right? They avoid, they get traumatic experiences or experience uh, symptoms of PTSD when they're going to have surgery or when they're in a surgical situation. And For sure. Well, and this is often because when people talk about an alien, alien abduction experience, they're talking about being on a table and being experimented on or experimented on or having something inserted into them, which can often be related back to, a, you know, this idea of accidental awareness during, under anesthesia, supposed anesthesia during surgery. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, there's uh, many similarities between accidental awareness and alien abductions. The grays, flashing blinding lights, discomfort, coldness, uneasiness, fear. Yeah, the probing, the clinical stuff, instruments, like stuff happening that you're not, not really understanding. You can't really see faces. Like it's just like this really disorienting thing. What's really interesting about this, this research is that most patients who actually experience this accidental awareness, they're, because we know we're like, oh, you were awake during anesthesia, yeah. that they don't claim to be abducted by aliens. So there's hundreds of people that were interviewed. They are not reporting that they were. Yeah. But the report documents, again, similar post-traumatic 
issues, post-traumatic emotional and mental experiences, psychological damage, right? So they were saying that while half the patients in this in the survey experienced pain, like post-operative pain, two-thirds experienced helplessness and panic. 40% of the patients reported experienced moderate to severe psychological harm, and some are actually incapacitated by their PTSD. So what they're experiencing in these ideas are these trauma memories. And often trauma memories are associated with a very intense emotional state, and, they were the, and they're created with these flashbacks. And they're not logical. They're not like this one stream of a logical narrative. They're flashes because of the different emotions and sensations that you're feeling. You're having literally yeah. a sensory overload Absolutely. associated with with these memories and, and that's why it's often al- always associated with these symptoms of PTSD because you're trying to you're having these flashbacks so you're having these memories come back and over time a lot of these patients are able to overcome this trauma when they start applying a narrative to it to start explaining the trauma to start explaining the triggered response to the trauma why this happened at certain places and things where often people with a alien abduction they have a harder time explaining the trauma or pinpointing yeah. where where it began or, or why they're having these traumatic memories or, or applying some sort of logic to it absolutely because they were abducted by aliens <laughs> right you know and that's crazy and aliens i'm assuming as per everything I read and seen, like they don't want you to remember this. That's the whole thing. They wanted, it's all sh- again, shrouded in secrecy. They don't want people to be like, wake up in their beds. They're like, oh yeah, I was abducted by uh, aliens. Here I am <laughs> being floated back through the walls into my bed. I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm back. No. <laughs> and because they're often depicted as malevolent entities. They're often yeah. shown in our media as having some sort of malevolence, violence. They want to destroy humanity. Come on, Independence Day. I saw that in theaters and was terrified after, right? Yep. Aliens are often seen as hot. <laughs> Hostile. They're very yeah. selfish. They have no regard to the human experience. And they were just literally humans are just experiments for them. They're, they're coming. Yeah. They're probing us. They're poking us. They're inserting things in us. They're taking things from us. Right. And yeah. we just have this fear. And because um, internally humans, we have a fear of the other to begin with. Like we have the um, fear of an invading species mm-hmm. and we have fear of losing control within ourselves that having this depiction of aliens and being so afraid and having these memories really accentuates this trauma for people. And so some other potential explanations for what these experiences are articulating or trying to articulate to us and explain to us sleep paralysis, which we touched on because a lot of this, a lot of the abduction uh, folks, it happens when they are in their bed at night. Yeah. I have never experienced sleep paralysis, and I hope to cat and dogs that I and Satan and everyone <laughs> that I never do because I, it seems terrifying. I tried watching a sleep paralysis documentary once, and I had to bail. I had to bail. I can't go back to it because it's it's, it's terrifying. So terrifying. <laughs> So that's one thing. And then what the other thing that I find really fascinating, and maybe this is actually an explanation for some of it, maybe some of these different things like the accidental awareness or sleep paralysis, maybe it's very vivid dreams, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but they're actually false memories to cover up real historical trauma in our lives. So physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, that we are creating this story in our head that again, you get these flashes so it's not cohesive, but it's, it somehow makes more sense that it's aliens and it's and it's just much more palpable and, and easier to digest that it's aliens than it is your really terrible shit that you've gone through and I find that very sad and really interesting at the same time 
time. Well, and that's what comes out in the film Dark Skies, right? So we're seeing this family, this suburban family, trying to keep up with the Joneses, essentially. Father's out of work. He's trying to make ends meet for his family, but may have to cut back in areas. There's fighting between the parents. Like, they're not perfect. But then signs of abduction, you know, the physical appearances on the body of the the young boy, Sammy, right? He's having traumatic responses. He wets himself. He pee, you know, he's walking, he's sleepwalking. Like, he's experiencing the things and then they're showing markings and there's that incredible scene uh, where they talk about where um lacy the wife the mother yeah is yelling at her husband being like what did you do to our son what how did you why did you touch him right because she has this idea like she's kind of like she knows the things are happening to her as well like he she's missing time she's losing like everyone's something's happening to this whole family but they go to the place of the only logical explanation for this on all this to be happening is that something's like we're hurting the children right and that happens to Lacey with her her best friend she treats her like she's abusing the children and even then like they when the authorities get involved they're just like we need to call in child services we need to you know um bring in all these elements and sometimes people who have talked about um alien abduction or abduction experiences usually have dysfunctional backgrounds they've usually Mm -hmm. had some sort of traumatic event to happen in their life that they try to you know Mm -hmm. suppress yeah because they start initially in the movie when weird things start happening like the food's all over the place in the middle of the night probably 3 a.m yeah and (laughs) a bunch of the you know the then there's like the weird um symbols on the wall and it's like very poltergeist i'm glad that you brought that up because like one minute they're talking, then you pan over, and then, like, all the chairs are stacked up on the table. Yeah. And so the, it, the wife is actually, Lacey is the one that, so it's, like, Sammy, the, the son, the youngest boy, starts talking about the Sandman, who, yes. quote, visit him, visits him in his room at night, which could be interpreted in very different ways. It's a horror movie, so we're going to think it's aliens or monsters. But as, like, in, a rea- in reality, for the mother and people, you're going to think it's a human being visiting him at night and yeah. abusing him and, and harming him so it like starts with Sammy it starts with Lacey the wife they start seeing really strange things well like the father starts experiencing like weird things on his own body like he starts sleepwalking and you know they set up cameras and start noticing the weird technological glitches and stuff like that Yes, things start happening. But again, I found it interesting that uh, Lacey is the one that I would say the most rational one of the group out of, I guess, the two adults. Like weird stuff starts happening to her son. She is the one seeing things in the middle of the night. Yeah, She's the one that starts feeling uneasy. Then they get the security system. And you have that scene where the husband, I forget his name, is talking to like the security company or I think it's a cop because all the photos go missing and they're talking about the kids. But then he's like, oh, my. My wife doesn't feel safe anymore it's like do you feel safe or are you throwing your wife under the bus here but uh, she's the one that because nothing's really making sense and she needs to make sense out of this her family's being harmed she's being harmed we she really needs to understand what's going on here she starts piecing things together because she's very smart and attuned to what's going on and her husband calls her crazy and just so it's so just typical and, and upsetting I well there's so much there is a lot of like you know gaslighting that happens in this film to Lacey from her husband then all also to Lacey and her husband from the authorities and stuff like that being like yeah no your son is doing this like your teenage son he's hit puberty he's acting out he's hanging out with like a rougher guy in the neighborhood like come on right you know children make up stories things happen but like you said she's just like no you know even even in her mind she's like I know this doesn't make any sense but you have to believe me he's like no yeah no absolutely not the evidence is so compelling though look at it look at it yeah (laughs) yeah right like even though she says like I know this sounds crazy but 
There's no other yep. way to explain this. She's like, I know we're not hurting our children, but the neighborhood yes. doesn't know, right? And I know that yes. this makes us look even crazier. She's like, but how can you explain, you know, a hundred birds slamming into our house, right? Like, right. and the weird things at night and the marks on her children. Yeah, the that's, geometric that's really, marks, like everything. Yeah. yeah. That's what really got me the most about this film is when everybody is so stressed. And like, I can imagine if you want to have kids that you love children and you love your children, you will protect them to death. And like over your dead body, would anything happen to your children? Those are the kids, people that should have kids. And when her kids start being affected and then she immediately goes towards her husband and like, are you hurting our kids? Like, are you hurting our child? I was like, oh man, this is upsetting. Like this, this is spiraling of stress and sleeplessness and fear and the uncertainty of what's going on and trying to piece it together. And our rational minds go to those dark places. They're not going to go to the alien place because Mm -hmm. that is strange and implausible. So that's like her first set. And then she goes into her Google research mode and is like, oh no, look at all these signs that are putting it together. This makes more sense because the physical abuse by the husband would not make sense of the birds and the pictures and the other weird marks and, and everything. So that it shows just like absolute breakdown of this family ostracized now by their entire like social circle and they are isolated completely isolated because no one's gonna believe them right like nope when their son goes missing they talk about like oh yeah we'll be at another court right we'll do another court proceeding because obviously the court is gonna be like we think you have something to do with the missing of your son we have evidence of showing you guys have erratic behavior your husband attacked his friend your wife you know lost time like all these things happen we see amuse marks on your kids Da, da 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 you killed your kid like we yeah. want you know but they're like no like this happened and we can't explain we know it sounds crazy but like it's once yeah. again the media also too ends up depicting them depicting alien believers of the or of the serious as crazy like when they do go yeah. to the professor who the you know self-proclaimed professor has experience in this and tells them the yeah. whole reason why the grades do what they do the whole tracking of a family the whole process right they give them he gives them the answers and the proof but he's shown as looking crazy he lives in a small cramped apartment he's With got a bunch of cats, bunch of cats everywhere right because <laughs> apparently a sign of insanity is when you have a bunch of cats yeah <laughs> um, i think it's a sign of intelligence I right don't. right you know paper clippings all over like the typical like hermit yeah. isolated you're crazy you're thinking up these crazy conspiracies and then that's what the family struggles with right especially the husband he's like we're not these people he even says that to her he's like we're not those people we don't believe yeah. this stuff and she's like how can you the evidence is there like it all makes sense nothing else makes sense but this right and that's yeah. Yeah. a real hard thing for that family to really hold themselves together and to fall like apart like that and then have everyone tear you apart and that's what happens with people in these alien abduction experiences and we see this in dark skies and in fire in the sky families just fall apart either of you heard a ringing in your ears that seems to be happening only inside your head yes have you experienced any unexplained illnesses strange allergies or nosebleeds yes yes have you witnessed any abnormal behavior by animals in your neighborhood Three different flocks of birds flew into our house the other day. I would say that qualifies. Have either of you experienced any blackouts, stretches of time that you can't account for? And have you experienced a feeling that you might not be in control of your own body? How do you know all this? You are not alone in this. 
Absolutely. And forever changed why either themselves are experiencing it or loved ones, anyone like that. And this in this movie, like everyone experiences some form or another of alien stuff. Yeah. Or something <laughs> you know? they can't explain, right? Like, yes, the unexplained. Know, everything needs to be for some reason we need to explain things. So anything can I think it's it's outcomes razor where it's like anything has a simple explanation to it. You just have to kind yeah. of think of it hard enough, right, to be like, OK, yeah. well, this paranormal experience or this earthly unearthly experience happened to me but i can explain it away because of this this, isn't this but just sometimes you just can't explain it. no no you just either have to accept that it's unexplainable and then just go with it or just fight it and then you all die so (laughs) in this movie yeah like or then you know your child just gets taken away and then you just live this way so you just gotta go either way like you just gotta choose a path Yeah, I thought about when it came to this movie and everything you just talked about so eloquently about just like the breakdown of the family and the the ostracization and the isolation when they're just like, we're not those people. As I feel like aliens or the concept or existence of aliens, it challenges our belief systems in humanity, our place or our purpose. We have existential crises, our existential beliefs as human beings. It challenges us as human beings and our intelligence and the fact that we think we are so dominant our humans place in the entire universe. It just challenges our belief that we have control over our lives. It also challenges our belief of, you know, authority figures and our ability to trust them. The idea of like government conspiracies. So it's, it's, it's hard for people to, to wrap their minds around this. We don't want to think the government is harming us or doing something detrimental just to, to cover something up. Um, we want to think that we have complete dominion over our planet. We want to think that we are complete control of our lives, but if in dark skies, we are not in control. And at any point, even in fire in the sky, at any point, our path can change. And there is a quote that's actually in the beginning of fire in the sky that I liked a lot. And it's an opening title card that says, chance makes a plaything of a man's life could be a woman's life but you never know what's going to happen and you kind of just have to articulate your way out of it i guess and i found that uh, very very interesting and now we've arrived at spencer's final thoughts this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our new sponsor brutalities since we're spinsters we obviously love tea one of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold rainy day or a good book yes with a hot mug of delicious tea. Brutalities is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more. But what really stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky names. With Chai the 13th and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in home. I love coconut. And I'm currently obsessed with Screamsicle. So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian listeners, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. This has been an interesting and challenging month for me in the sense of... I have always had an interest in the paranormal. I've always had an interest in the extraterrestrial and aliens in itself. And as a kid, I read everything about space and about everything about other worlds and about other particular aliens and alien conspiracy theories. It was a challenging month for me because I do believe in aliens and I believe in alien abduction. But then I have to prove to people who care about me and love me that I'm not crazy. (laughs) 
person and that they, that I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not like those people. And there's nothing wrong with those people too, who believe so wholeheartedly in something like that as well. It was just interesting to revisit this topic as an older woman too, because I've typically have also stayed away from revisiting aliens for a very long time, just because it just really makes me feel uncomfortable and really makes me feel insignificant in my world. Because like, if there is really a species that's out there that's coming and abducting humans and taking them and doing experiments and putting us back and, you know, we don't know this, it makes me feel very like unnerved about my ability about going to sleep at night and what's actually happening and what's bigger and all these bigger things. And then like Kelly was saying earlier too, about the idea of government conspiracy theories, because at the end of the day, Every time you go down the UFO hole, it always leads you back to the, a government conspiracy of some sort and that there's some way, shape or form, something is being hidden from us. So I try to limit my my rabbit holes in going down this area too much because it can get really unnerving and it can really have a huge impact on people. And as someone who I really enjoy both Dark Skies and Fire Skies as films in terms of not only just addressing alien abduction both from you know a drama or a horror perspective but they're also talking about other symptoms around these abductions which is the experience of PTSD and PSA these syndromes that uh, come out and affect people later on as someone who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder myself from my own traumatic experience not alien abduction but of uh, of other um, of other uh, cases, it's interesting to see how that does have an impact on people, and how it not only does it impact the people who experience the event, the traumatic event, but their families around them, and how important it is to seek the help that you need if you've experienced or experienced uh, PTSD or a PSA in any way, uh, shape, or form, to be able to better yourself, your life, and to have that sense of control back in your life, because you know living in hypervigilance every day all, all your life is, is not great and you know I've gotten better in maintaining my own hypervigilance I know the skies are safe for me right now and I'm good with that when it comes to the existence of life on other planets I believe aliens to me are like what ghosts and the supernatural are to other people aliens just make sense to me I am a scientific person and I love hearing about the theories be- behind them existing or not existing. It just makes sense to me that intelligent life exists somewhere else in the universe. Frankly, there has got to be more than just human beings in this world. I I have to believe that. If someone comes to you saying that they think that they've been abducted by aliens, hear them out. Maybe it's accidental awareness from anesthesia, sleep paralysis, or they're covering up, covering up a past trauma. Either way, it actually doesn't matter because these people are in pain. They are scared, they are alone. Don't dismiss them immediately because you don't believe their stories. If they're telling you, then they're showing vulnerability and they require help. They very, very well could be true experiencers. Though I revel in scary alien films and stories and good ones are more about the people than the aliens, I would love to have my own physical and tangible proof that they exist. I have never seen a UFO, had any strange experiences or have been abducted. As far as I know, either way, I welcome them with open arms. So that ends our episode on aliens in horror movies. 
We want to thank Dance the Dead for our intro, outro music, Robeast, and Brandon for all of his work on our promotional materials. Also, thank you very much to our listeners. We want to remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com, our Facebook page, Spinsters of Horror. We also have our Facebook group, Spinsters of Horror Coven. You can also find us on Twitter at Horror Spinsters and on Instagram at Spinsters of Horror. As well, please rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcasting app you listen to us on. And reminder, we have merch. Please visit TeePublic to purchase our t-shirts, especially with our new design and logo, less sweet and badass. You can also buy stickers from our shop, and there is a donate button to kind of help us move, keep, keep on keeping on. Next month, we are taking a satanic sabbatical to work on content for the final Girls Berlin Festival. Don't worry, folks. We will be back in February for Black History Month, and we will be looking at the Candyman franchise in the start of our 1990s horror villain series. Until then, remember, the future of fear is female. 